0: uh developing a product there are a lot of trials and errors that you go through that's why they call it r and d research and development
1: start making money with your art today welcome to the artist appeals podcast my name's Aaron Sparler and i'm here to support you on your way to becoming a self-sustained full-time artist each week My guests and I will share practical tips you can apply to start making money with your art. Ready to learn more? Be sure to check out theartistappeals.com forward slash go.
0: Hey guys, Erin here at The Artist Appeals. You're inside the studio and I thought I'd give you a backstory today. So uh, I just got... Some new mini brads for my company, iConnect Crafts. And I never really talked about the backstory of why I started the Artist Appeals and wrote the book, The Artist Appeals, and went through all this effort of interviewing, like, I don't know how many people I've interviewed now 60, 70, 80, about the business of art. And why did I start asking this question to even begin with? How do you make money as an artist? Well, I'll tell you today. Here's the backstory. So when I left teaching as a college professor full time, I was a college professor of digital art. First, it was called multimedia and internet production. Then it was called digital art. Anyways, I left there, right, to have kids. And I went to the craft stores and I had two little boys. And after my first son, went to the craft store and I couldn't find what I was looking for. Because frankly, I was a tomboy growing up. I love to ski. I'm a downhill skier. I love to hike. I hike literally at least once, if not two, three times a week, as the whole year, whole year round. I hike in the summer, I hike in the winter, I hike in the fall. So yeah, I'm big into the outdoors. I love nature. I love animals. And I couldn't find what I wanted in the craft store. I could not find crafts that were not a made of styrofoam or plastic, and B, weren't like all rainbow colored and made for, well, frankly, little girls. There's not a lot of crafts out there on the market for little boys or for tom girls like me, right? And so I decided to make my own. So I went down this path of designing these characters. So I started out with these designs that I had come up with, that were essentially the opposite of Picasso's cubism, right? So cubism is where you take a figure and you shatter it into cubes. It's a very rough, primitive look, right? You take a face or a figure and you shatter it into rectangles and squares and triangles. So these characters were instead All made of spheres and of crescents and of half of a circle, a yin yang, right? And they were all jointed. So they moved. So I came up with the idea of essentially creating little animals that were like paper dolls. They were like paper dolls, except they weren't paper dolls because they were animals. And this was the result the totem. It. Now, a friend of mine, Christine, helped me uh, name these. Thank you, Chris. She's awesome. The word totem means like a spirit animal, essentially. And poppet is apparently a term of affection in the um, European countries. And what do you do? Well, you pop these bad boys out of their backer board, and then you pop them together using mini brads. Now when I first started inventing these I had to figure out how to put them together. So I came up with brass eyelets. This was the first of the challenges I had to overcome because brass eyelets come in lots of different shaft lengths. Let me see if I can show you this. So, oh, I'm going to trip, tripped over a box. I don't know if you can see this. Let me get up close here. Can you see how tiny this is. This, uh, I can barely hold it. It's so tiny. I can barely hold it. It's so tiny. That is a one inch brass eyelet. Okay. So let's not trip again. So these were 1/16th inch brass eyelets. Now that is the circumference or the, the, size across the brass island the hole right uh not circumference i guess it would be diameter it's the diameter across the hole
1: would you like to get everything all in one place if you don't have hours and hours to listen to every single episode of the podcast well guess what i've done it for you we took the first two seasons of the podcast, had everything transcribed, and pulled out the best tips, the best tricks, the best stories from the artists, as well as the step-by-step commission processes, and put them in a gorgeously formatted book with over 200 color pictures and examples. So if you're visual, this is the book for you. The Artist Appeals is instantly available at How to Make Money. As an artist.com. plus for a limited time you get three free bonuses that go with that you'll get not only the book but you'll also get the one page planner that brings it all together in one place the artist appeals workbook that has over 80 pages of checklists and worksheets plus you get the artist appeals online course which has over 55 more different lessons. And I'm adding more every day. So you get the latest, greatest information and resources out there. You can get your copy of the Artist Appeals, How to Make Money as an Artist in Seven Steps instantly by going to howtomakemoneyasanartist.com. But
0: these brass eyelets, they're lovely and they're fun. They're great texturally, um, but we had to figure out what shaft length they could be because if they were too long, then the pieces would just flop and they wouldn't hold together. And if they were too short, then it couldn't grab on and make a connection between two pieces of chipboard. So we had to find just the right shaft length. Then we had to test the tools. So, I tested four or five different brass eyelet setters. That's a whole nother story because I found the perfect brass eyelet setter from Fiskars. I carried them for a long time. They're spring loaded. I just adore them. But it turns out that they're rather difficult for um, kids to use as well as for some adults. They take a bit of strength. So, these are the Fisker's eyelet setter tools. So when I invented iConnect crafts, there was a lot of things I had to learn. When you're designing a product or uh, developing a product, there are a lot of trials and errors that you go through. That's why they call it R and D, research and development, right? So we tried out brass eyelets. We had to figure out uh, setters. I had to take it out to market and talk to people to learn that this didn't work. This didn't work for everybody. So after a while we pivoted and found these mini brads. So here I am today, packaging some mini brads with you here. These are some new red ones, assorted reds that I'm going to be adding to the website. Here are some assorted pinks that I wanted to add to the website and assorted yellows. We were out of black. We had to reorder black. I have a back order for the black, and we needed to reorder silver and gold. I was out of them, so um, ordered all of them. And part of the fun of the appeals method and how this relates is that starting all of this, doing all of this research, learning all of these things like, oh, brass eyelets, mini brads, Way counting and packaging, hazard warnings, all this and more. I was like, oh, I better write this down. I better record this. So I cover all this and more in the book, The Artist Appeals, right? Started writing it all down. All this stuff that I was learning. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe nobody taught me all this stuff about laser cutting and packaging. So Designed the products. This is how this relates to the artist appeals. So couldn't find a product I wanted, had the designs, decided to make my own, right? Found a laser cutter, learned that you have to prototype it first, figured out how to join them, tested joining methods, tested setting methods. Once you get to that part, past the prototype, then you've got to figure out packaging, right? So I learned that you've not only got to get the product made, but you also have to get the packaging made and designed. So wrote the write-ups about the symbolism of the animals in mythology or um, different symbolism. So each one of these comes with a little write-up, kind of like a fortune cookie about the animal with a little art prompt at the end. But when you're designing a product and packaging it, You have to pay for the plastic sleeve. You pay for the insert card. You pay for what is called the hang tag. You pay for the hole punched in the hang tag. This is designed as one piece. It's folded over. And so when you design it, the lettering is going to be upside down, right? So you're gonna design it as a as a thing that folds in half, and then it goes over the plastic, and then they use a machine, they insert it, and staple it, okay? You pay for the labor of doing that, and all of this goes into the pricing of your product. I learned about setting wholesale pricing, and setting retail pricing, and about the term keystone pricing. All of this I talk about in the book, The Artist Appeals, and a lot more. But this is the backstory. So I couldn't find the products I wanted. I decided to make them. Huge learning curve, right? Oh my gosh, the mistakes I made. And I made some mistakes, let me tell you. Um, I also include the mistakes in the book. One of these is hazard warnings. You've got to have a hazard warning on the back of anything that has small pieces that kids could choke on. It needs to read, warning, choking hazard, small parts, not for children, under three. Partnered with a larger company. After I had created these, right? So art, you create the art. P, product, you take the art and turn it into some sort of product that you can sell. It's here, oh my god. You can get a printed version of the Artist Appeals on Amazon now. It looks so good oh i'm so psyched i like it in the paperback the artist appeal this is my first copy from amazon.com you can get your copy of the artist appeals the seven steps for how to make money as an artist which summarizes some of the best stories tips tricks lessons quotes from the first two seasons of the podcast here it is folks i can't believe it it's been a lot of work guys so there you have it the printed version's out go get yours on amazon but this is can be as basic as making a print, right? Or selling the original. That's the first step. But if you want to take it a step further, then you can look at things like print on demand, which is where a company will print your designs, your artwork on a product for you, and then they will ship it. When somebody orders one, they will print the one and ship it out and You get a percentage of that. It's a great next step in art, product, and then presentation. But there is another level to that. The third level is licensing your art and design to a bigger company to hopefully distribute, produce, distribute, and market. That's the idea. You partner with a larger company and they take your products. And they sell them to a big box store because there's a lot of requirements to get into a big box store. Or to their chain of stores or whatever, they produce the product and then they market it and sell it. Now, here's the story though. It doesn't always turn out like you expected. I learned the hard way about hazard warnings. Now, thank God nobody choked on anything. It was just one of those like embarrassing moments where somebody said, hey, do you have hazard warnings on the back of your mini brads? And I went, um, what's that? (laughs) Whoops. Let me get some of those. So, you know, I really quickly got some and not a big deal. Same type of thing with UPC codes. You know, you design the packaging. If you don't know about UPC codes, you might not know to incorporate them into the packaging, and then you've got to add them manually after the fact, with stickers. That's a pain in the butt. Or here's another learning lesson. UPC codes must be bought from GS1 because there are a lot of third parties that sell UPC codes? bad. Sometimes they sell used ones, and things get all confused, and then you find out that somebody on Amazon is selling men's black socks using your UPC codes. What the heck? And there's a conflict. There's a lot to be learned in producing a product. And so that's why I started The Artist Appeals, is I wanted to share the whole story and the whole journey. Now normally, I don't talk so much about it, Because most of the artist appeals has been about interviewing other artists. You see, what happened is I started recording the things I learned, started dictating them, recording them, and then I got pregnant with my second kid. And I realized I couldn't do it all on my own and I wouldn't be able to go to the conferences. In fact, one of the big conferences out there for art licensing, which by the way, how, what type of people are in art licensing? It's probably like 80% women. Well, guess what? They don't allow children on the floor and they don't allow nursing. They don't have a place to nurse. I had asked them, I wrote them and said, may I come to the conference with my newborn, who's going to be only two or three months. May I come with my husband, my toddler, and my newborn? He'll take care of my kid and my newborn and then bring them to me when they need attention and nursing and so forth and so on and then they'll go to Disney during the rest of the day and they said no you can't do that <laughs> uh hello it's 2020 seriously you don't accommodate nursing mothers anyways so i decided i was going to need some help i was going to need a bigger company because I wanted to be able to spend time with my children and nurse them and do things like that. So anyways, I partnered with a larger company. I had this wonderful attorney that connected me to a larger company, helped me with the contract. Thank you so much, Tammy. You rule. Um, a good lawyer is really, really, really important. We negotiated what was called a letter of intent. Ever heard of an LOI? letter of intent. It's basically like a contract to have a contract. You're basically saying, hey, I think I want to have a contract with you, but I don't want it to actually be formal or binding. So let's do a letter of con- letter of intent instead, if that makes any sense whatsoever. So for a full year, I was under letter of intent. Then after that year was up, we did negotiate a full contract for another two years. So that means we were together for three years. During that time, I sent them research. I sent them curriculum. I wrote them plans that curriculum that matched the California State Educational Standard Common Core for, what was it? Grades three and six earth sciences. We did a lot of work together. We sourced those products in China. We changed the paper type so it would be white. We developed a new logo and a new look. We even developed a pog, or P-O-G, which is a point of display. Don't ask me why it's P-O-G and not P-O-D, I don't know. So anyways, went through all that, and then at the very end, nothing. That's right, nothing. They basically said, yeah, we changed our minds. They hamstrung me for three years. I was under, you know, a contract, and so I couldn't take them out and license them to another company. On top of that, there was something in our contract called a minimum royalties guarantee. It's something that says, hey, if we sell nothing whatsoever, we still agree to pay you X amount for the time and the effort that you've put in. All the curriculum you've written, the three years that you've, you know, been working with us and responding to emails and giving us whatever we need to, you know, have these products developed, sourced, prototyped, et cetera, et cetera. Well. They said, nope. They said, we don't want to pay you. And we're not going to. And we're much bigger than you. So we don't have to. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo. <laughs> Talked to my lawyer. She said, Aaron, it's not worth it. You'll spend more money on legal fees than you'll get back from the uh, minimum royalties guaranteed. Ain't that a... B-I-T-C-H, right? It's the little guy. It's us artists. It's us designers that sometimes get the short end of the stick. Anyways, I moved on. Although, well, no, still a little, you know, still rankles a little bit. That's why I don't talk about it all that much. In the end, I decided that the book was really, really something that people needed to know. That all this material, all these terminologies, the contracts that I'd learned, and all the terms in them, like minimum royalties guarantee, like load in, like POG, like USB codes and hazard warnings, that all of these things really needed to be out there in one place for you guys to find and research. Uh oh, oh, I dropped some. There needed to be a book that covered licensing. So, couldn't find one, so I made one. There it is, sitting on the shelf. The Artist Appeals. Once I had all that done, I thought, you know what? I don't want it to be all about me. And uh, if you recall, I was a professor, so can't do anything without research. It's got to be valid, right? Validation. So, I started asking everybody I could find I went to conferences, I asked for introductions, I met some of the most amazing artists, and I asked them, what's your story? How do you make money as an artist? Have you ever licensed your work? What's the weirdest or funniest story that has ever happened to you? And that's how the Artist appeal started, is that I had an experience building Iconet Crafts and these types of products. Here's the penguin. I'll show you some of these as I do this. So I designed probably seven different designs. Penguins, ducks, peacocks, celebration bulbs for lacing up for dexterity, stars, right? Owls. All this and more I share with you in the Arts Appeals book as well as the online course because it's been an adventure, folks. It really has. This is the hot air balloon. Here's more birds, swans, and of course, one of my favorites, the dragon. These holidays are coming up in Next month or so, there's um, days that relate to these designs. So, I'll be doing those as part of iConnect Crafts' craft how to blog posts. But this has been the backstory of how I started the Artist Appeals, how I started iConnect Crafts, how that experience led to the um, podcast, The Artist Appeals, and then, of course, to the book, The Artist Appeals. I hope you've enjoyed my little backstory. Thanks for joining me inside of my little studio here as I package up some mini brads. Tell you what, this is one of the most tedious processes is way counting mini brads. It's really tedious. So thanks for joining me and keeping me entertained. Tar, that's another terminology. Tar, you gotta zero out your scale. All the amazing things you learn when you start a business. When you start a business, trust me, you don't know what you don't know until you know you don't know it. (laughs) Does that make sense? It's one of those things. Sometimes you just got to jump in and start because the process teaches you how much you don't know. Tip for you, if you're starting a process like this and you're learning a lot, record it. Record it because you never know, you might just end up with a book. All right, well, thanks for joining me. I got a whole bunch of mini brads now I gotta pick up. (laughs) Later. Oh, they're everywhere. One time, I spilled a jar twice this size of brass eyelets. Actually, my kid did. 10,000 brass eyelets I spilled. 10,000, can you imagine? It was one hell of a cleanup. It really, really was. I think that's somewhere on Instagram, pictures of it. All right. Well, it's time for me to clean up again.
1: Hey, thanks for tuning in for another episode of The Artist Appeals. To learn more about making money with your art, check out theartistappeals.com forward slash go. See you next week.